0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast. I'm Lorraine, and I will be interviewing some of the top leaders and innovators from the dance and acrobatic industry. If you are a teacher, performer, student, or a lifelong learner like myself, you are sure to find these episodes intriguing and full of inspiration. Acrobatic Arts is passionate about providing current and relevant information for everyone. So please... Sit back and enjoy as we share our passion with you and the world. I'm speaking with Dr. Linda Bluestein today. Linda is no stranger to our podcast. The wealth of knowledge that she brings when discussing hypermobility disorders is second to none. Let's get things started. Dr. Linda Bluestein, hello and welcome back to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me back. I love this podcast. I love all the work that you're doing. It's so important to educate dancers and acrobats for all of the things that they should be paying attention to in their training so that they can have a really great experience and be able to dance and participate for as long as possible. So I I really think it's wonderful and and I'm really, truly honored to be back. So, So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: You are very welcome. We are so lucky that you've been one of our main guests on the show. (laughs) (laughs) We love having you back every year, it seems, that we get to do a yearly check-in. And so I'm just wondering, in the past year, what are some things that have come up that you are noticing maybe more of or that you really want to tell our audience about hypermobility?
1: So the first thing is that there's no such thing as paying attention too soon to how your body feels and how your body is functioning. And I like to use an analogy from the Titanic. If they had taken action a lot sooner, of course, they could have avoided disaster, number one, but if they had taken action at a very soon point in the process when they were getting closer and closer, you know, to the iceberg, they could have redirected in a much more minor way and avoided that disaster. And I feel like the same thing is true for our bodies. If we redirect, if we make changes at an earlier time, then we can avoid things with a smaller amount of intervention. If we wait if we wait until the problems are really big, and if they're, if we wait until the problems are more significant, then we can run into a lot more problems. And I'm thinking about um, a retired dancer I was working with recently. She's 16 years old, and sadly, she's already retired from dance. And she competed at a quite high level. Did. Lots of acrobatics in her routines was a competition dancer. And her mom is actually a dance teacher. And I met this young lady because I was recording a course at a recording studio in North Carolina, and they happened to be in the area and I needed a model. So this young lady mom had uh, signed her up to be a paid model for this course. And this young lady, oh my gosh, she was really crazy, bendy. And apparently she had won all kinds of awards. In her dance competitions, many of the named awards, like the Gumby Award or the No Bones Award. And she was the featured person, front and center, doing all the tricks. And now at 16, she's she has a pretty significant amount of pain. And I really want to help dancers and acrobats avoid that because. We know that a higher than normal percentage of dancers and um, people doing acrobatic arts have joint hypermobility, and people that have joint hypermobility or increased range of motion of the joints may develop problems with their proprioception or knowing where their body is in space without looking and other more significant complications. And as I mentioned, by taking action at an earlier point in time, by learning about What is joint hypermobility? What can we do if we suspect that we might have joint hypermobility? We can reduce our risk by taking these steps. And so that's why I've created a lot of resources, and a lot of them are new since I talked to you last. We just introduced this month for Bendy Bodies. We introduced something called Bendy Bulletins, <laughs> and and there are some people who don't like you, my using the the word Bendy, and I do understand because it's not the Bendiest person who has the most problems. So the word Bendy. I started using it, and I still like it because you can be bendy in a historical way. Maybe you used to be bendy and you're not anymore. And our resources, whether it's the podcast, the website, or these new bendy bulletins, they're for everyone on the joint hypermobility spectrum. Whether you used to be hypermobile and you're not anymore, or you are still hypermobile, we have resources for you. And we are constantly evolving and developing new new podcasts and new resource material so that we can help people function at their very best. Because I'm trying to be that messenger who's yelling out to the Titanic, turn, turn, you know, yeah. uh, earlier on. And and dancers, I think, you know, dancers and, and people who are doing acrobatic arts, we are so used to doing incredible crazy things with our bodies that, you know, oftentimes are painful. And so we don't always listen to our bodies and we don't always know how to listen to our bodies and what messages are important to pay attention to. So I'm also trying to train people to listen to their bodies with a curious mindset, not panic, not get overly anxious, but incorporate that information and think, what is my body trying to tell me right now?
0: First of all, congratulations on the Bendy bulletin. Ah. Is it an email or what? how do you get it to the public?
1: So they're available on the website, bendybodies.org. And they're basically each month, in the future going forward. Well, actually we re- we released three and then we probably will be releasing a-, a couple a month for a while. But what I'm trying to do is take one piece of paper for each bulletin and answer five or so questions that commonly come up. Because what I find surprising in working with clients and patients, that people might understand some really complex topics, but have questions about some of the more fundamental topics. And so I'm trying to lay the foundation for the first eight or so bulletins. So the first eight or so bulletins are basically, what is joint hypermobility? How is joint hypermobility different from joint instability? What is flexibility versus hypermobility versus instability? Why are these things important? Why should clinicians look for these things? Is it always bad? Um, these are some of the questions that we answered in the first few bulletins. And what's really cool about the Bendy bulletins is they won't just be written by me. They they will be written by other experts in this field who are going to answer five or so questions that are questions that they frequently encounter? So we will be t- tackling a number of different topics in nutrition, for example, in the movement space, in the space of neurodivergence, and a variety of topics, gastrointestinal problems that people encounter, dysautonomia, all kinds of topics. But the goal is to make these things super concise and easy for people to find, and a one-page resource that they can take to their healthcare professional and say, look, this is something that I think might apply to me. Here's a resource. Can you check this out? And if you have time to listen to something in your car, they also have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So we're hoping that this is a more complete way, because we've gotten a lot of feedback from people that they love the podcast, but they also need to see something in writing. And while we do have the transcripts and are working on the best way to share those, I also felt like we should have things that were very concise and straightforward for people to read.
0: Mm, That sounds like an amazing resource. So I hope everyone that wants the knowledge goes and checks that out. I know we were talking earlier. What are your thoughts on forced joint hypermobility?
1: (laughs) So the interesting thing is that joint hypermobility, which again is greater than expected range of motion of a joint or a group of joints, So somebody could have, for example, knee hyperextension or back knee or hyperextended knees, um, which of course for a lot of types of dance is very desirable and creates a beautiful line. Somebody could have knee hyperextension because it comes naturally to them. Maybe their ligaments are more lax and they have that um, extra degree of extension in their knee but they also could have knee hyperextension because of doing things like oversplits and especially if they're doing oversplits and they are you know putting their feet on blocks and somebody is putting pressure on their uh, on their thigh and they're pushing that leg into hyperextension. So it's really important for people to work with really trained and skilled movement professionals that can help them attain maximal flexibility, especially specific to their goals. So I work with a lot of people who are working to be Cirque du Soleil circus performers. Their goals are going to be very different than somebody who as an adult has decided that they want to do pole dancing, for example. I know somebody who uh, recently shared with me that they started doing pole dancing. And they really, really, really are trying to get their splits. I had this great conversation with a uh, major ballet company physical therapist. And my feeling was that this person who's already an adult and doing this just for fun probably shouldn't force themselves into the splits um, and instead work on making themselves strong and having beautiful lines and having fun, having fun with it. Um, because I think what ends up happening is people can incur injury and now they have to stop. And I don't want people to stop. I want people to be able to do these things for as long as possible. And sometimes before we've really encountered a lot of problems, we don't want to listen to our bodies. So this physical therapist, this major ballet company physical therapist, did tell this adult friend of mine that probably would not be a good idea trying to force themselves into the splits. And by the same token, if you are dancing just for fun, and especially if you're an adult, don't be forcing your knees into hyperextension because you you may be incurring more damage. So again, it really comes down to what are your goals? I literally have never, ever, ever told a dancer to stop dancing. Have I given them some advice about how to dance in a way that I thought would be healthier for their body? Most definitely. But I've never told a dancer or an acrobat to stop doing their their sport. Um, I'm working with an acrobat right now who is a very, very high level circus performer. And I've been working with her off and on for a while. She started developing more symptoms related to her neck. And understandably, she really wants to get back to her sport as quickly as possible. So sometimes, you know, you have to have a little bit of a reality check of, okay, if you're starting to experience these symptoms, let's think about what are your red light, green light, and yellow light activities. So I asked her to do this exercise. I said, why don't you come up with a list of what are my green light activities? So these are going to vary over time, but at this point in time, what are the activities that I feel confident are very safe and I can do without exacerbating or worsening? My pain or joint instability, for example, like feeling like the joint is not in proper alignment. And what are the red light activities? What are the activities that seem like they definitely make my pain worse, my joint instability worse? Definitely don't do the red light ones. Definitely keep doing the green light ones. And now the tricky part is coming up with the yellow light activities. Think about all of the other activities that you do and try to put those in that yellow light category or try to put each activity into one of those three categories and understand that those are going to change over time. But using the red light, yellow light, green light system, I believe that people can make better choices for themselves because we don't want to get to a point where we have to stop completely because then we start to lose muscle mass. We start to develop more problems with joint stability because we no longer have the muscle to support our joints. And so instead we wanna be able to maintain these activities for as long as possible.
0: It really is a balance, I think. Yes. (laughs) It makes sense that the goal of most dancers and acrobats is to obtain some level of flexibility But on the other side, we also need stability to stay safe. I really like the green light, red light, yellow light, because it makes you check in. Then you can make better choices, as you said, but always keeping in mind that it's going to change. And then you have to adjust your training schedule to create that balance of strength and flexibility to stay safe, which I think we're both about. (laughs) Yes, yes. so I'm I'm going to jump back to the pre-symptomatic symptoms or well I guess they're it's pre-symptomatic. So how would you like how do we help the young dancer or acrobat when they're young if we don't know what's coming up?
1: Right, right. That's a that's a fabulous question. <laughs> <Okay>. So <laughs> it, it so we that's the challenge is we don't know. We don't have a perfect system yet of determining who is going to have problems in the future and who is going to remain asymptomatic. So I group group people into different categories. So, or I I use four different terms basically. So if someone is asymptomatic, that means they don't have any symptoms. If someone is pre-symptomatic, that means that they don't have any symptoms right now, but they develop them in the future. And if someone is symptomatic, that means that they do have symptoms. And then the last category is polysymptomatic, and that's someone that has many symptoms. And again, I'm so passionate about working with dancers and acrobats at an early stage because once you become polysymptomatic, lots of symptoms, whether it's you know gastrointestinal pain, migraine, um, you know joint instability. Uh, you know, m- decrease muscle strength, all kinds of things that can develop, it can be really, really hard to sort out what is correlated with what thing that you're, that you have in your environment. So it can be much harder to take the steps to reduce the symptoms. So we don't want to over-medicalize anyone, but If you're asymptomatic, again, we don't know, are you pre-symptomatic or will you become symptomatic in the future? So let's work on your proprioception, for example. Proprioception is knowing where your body is in space without looking. And I remember, this wasn't that long ago, I was already well into, I was well, well into this rabbit hole of joint hypermobility when I was taking a Zumba class and I was looking in the mirror and I realized, oh my gosh, I'm hyperextending my elbows I had no idea because I thought I had better control over my joints than that. So most of us don't realize that we are not always accurate about where we think our joints are. So if, for example, a dancer or an acrobat gets the same cues over and over again from a teacher and they think, wait, what's, what's going on here? I felt like I already fixed that correction then perhaps that's a sign that their proprioception is somewhat impaired or somewhat suboptimal and and the good news is there are things that we can do to improve our proprioception so in a lot of parts of the world we're going into summer which is great if you happen to have access to a pool being in the pool that contact of the water with the skin can help increase your proprioceptive awareness. Anything in contact with your skin can help the brain have a better idea of where the different parts of your body are in space. So I encourage people to get in a pool whenever they can. And I also often will encourage them to wear compressive garments. So whether it's a compressive knee sleeve or a compressive elbow sleeve again that contact with the skin can help you know where that joint is and it can be very very helpful too for the compression can help with inflammation if you have like a minor injury or something and i also often will use taping strategies and the same thing the tape can help if you put tape like in an x mm-hmm. On the front side of the elbow or on the back side of the knee, when the elbow or knee is slightly bent, as you come to the end range, then that sensation of the tape pulling on the skin sends a message to the brain, oh, we're nearing end range. So there's some simple things that we can do that can help people to just have a greater awareness of things like proprioception that can really help to reduce injury risk
0: and I'm glad you mentioned awareness. We usually try to have you on in May, which is (laughs) hypermobility awareness month, but we, I think we were both busy with our schedules, so we're a little bit later this year. But why do you think raising awareness is so important?
1: I think it's really, really important because a lot of people think they're alone. They think they're alone, and they end up, thinking that they're crazy because if they do have symptoms and they do go to their doctor and the doctor has no clue what they're talking about, the doctor often will be disbelieving of their symptoms. And that can be very harmful, especially for people like me and a lot of my patients and clients who are very intuitive. So we will pick up on the fact that the doctor doesn't believe us. Even if the doctor doesn't say they don't believe us, we'll pick up on that. We'll feel that in the room. And so those messages can be very harmful. Instead, if more doctors and more clinicians are aware of joint hypermobility and how incredibly prevalent it is, probably up to 40% of children and up to 20% or more of of adults have um, generalized joint hypermobility. And amongst dancers, it's probably closer to 80 to 90% depending on the type of dance that they're doing and the age of the dancers. But we know that this is something that is highly, highly prevalent and generalized joint hypermobility is a type of joint hypermobility where you have joint hypermobility in a number of joints, usually considered about five or more. So we want people to be more aware of this because if that Does happen to apply to you or someone that you know, the sooner that you are aware of what's going on, the sooner that you can validate yourself. You can say, oh, okay, this is perhaps what's contributing to my symptom picture. And maybe there's some things that I can do that I can help myself feel better. Because a lot of the low hanging fruit you don't even need a doctor for. So I was diagnosed in my 40s. And for years, for probably about a decade, I kept telling my doctors something is wrong with me and I don't know what it is, but my body is not normal. I get injured really easily. I don't heal well. I've been getting all these different tears of things. And it wasn't until many years later that I finally got diagnosed. Looking back, I had symptoms from early childhood, actually. So it's it's really, really important to give people that information. And that's why I founded the podcast Bendy Bodies with the Hypermobility MD. I wanted to provide accessible information to as many people as possible. And some of the episodes are very dance specific. Other episodes are very medically specific. There are different topics that we address and we're working on doing a better job of sharing playlists with people so that they can more quickly find what they're looking for. So it's it's a resource that I want people to be aware of because we've heard from so many people, "Oh my gosh, I thought it was just me. Oh my gosh, I thought I was crazy." We've gotten such incredibly positive and um, and supportive messages from people, uh, Jennifer Milner, my co-host, and I, we've just heard from so many people that, that they found it really helpful. So I want people to be aware, whether you're the patient, a family member, a caregiver, or a healthcare professional, everyone needs this information. And dance teachers, acrobatic coaches, athletic coaches, athletic trainers, physical therapists, they all need this information as well.
0: We couldn't agree more here at Academic <laughs> Arts. <laughs> we are so passionate about safety as well. And you know nothing makes us happier than joining forces with you and not only raising awareness in the month of May, but we're going to raise awareness all year long so that, as you said, people know that they're not alone and that there is help out there.
1: Yeah, definitely. and I, And I do want to add one other thing to that, which is, I think for dancers and acrobats, especially, it can be so challenging because most everyone is hypermobile. So they don't think that there's anything unusual about their body because they look around the classroom and most everybody has super bendy elbows like they do and super bendy knees like they do. So, you know, it's what we're exposed to that really informs us as to what the norms are. And you don't have to be the bendiest person, the most crazy flexible person in the room to be impacted by these conditions. If you listen to some of this, if you listen to my podcast, if you look at some of the bendy bulletins, I also recently wrote a couple of articles called Hope for Hypermobility. If you look at any of those things and you think, wow, that kind of sounds like me, or somebody one of your teachers says, you know, have you noticed that you have some joints that are pretty high on the end on the range of motion end? Then, you know, it might be a good idea to start working on some uh, joint proprioception exercises, working on your strengthening, listening to this podcast, listening to my podcast, so that you can function at your best.
0: That is so amazing. Dr. Linda Bluestein, we are putting all those links and resources and everything up on the show notes so that anyone listening will have easy access to all the wonderful things that you mentioned. And I just want to say again, thank you so much for taking the time every year to (laughs) talk with me and make this one of the best podcasts ever.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: This interview is an absolute must listen for anyone concerned with hypermobility. If you know someone that could benefit from hearing this information, please share this episode. Help them to make positive changes in their lives. Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great day.